0: Adversity. <laughs> <at> <feet. laughs> he breaks center! He ties up here! time Twenty strikeouts. United we play. United we win. <laughs> and goodbye, home run. All hits all the time. We are family. <laughs> double digit K's. We're busting ours. It's yours. Fun to watch. Honest 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy. 5, four, three,
1: two, one.
0: From inside the warehouse at Oreo Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco here with you as always. And, of course, the Mass and All Access Podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit marymountsaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. Bobby. Yes, we are in the midst of January. Yes. We are in a dead period in terms of baseball. Yes. We have had an exciting offseason, though, in terms of just the overall baseball stories. Stuff is happening, you know, around the league, I would say. Yeah. Um, oh, it, I would say for sure. Yeah, for sure. Especially it the is, past couple of weeks. It has been an interesting past couple of weeks. Um, But not a whole lot going on in terms of the Baltimore Orioles. But there are some little things that we're going to get to later on in the podcast. So let us know what you think. Comment along. Ask questions as we go. We are streaming live on the Mass and Orioles Twitter page, on the Mass and All Access and Mass and Orioles Facebook page, Mass and Orioles uh, YouTube channel. And, of course, you might be listening along on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Wherever you can get podcasts, you can get the Mass in All Access podcast or tweet at Paul Mancano or at Bobby underscore, underscore Blanco as we go. So, we are going to get into all of the uh, Baltimore Orioles topics uh, as we go along. Bobby? Yeah. Some interesting stuff in terms of the Orioles prospects in the past yes. couple weeks. They have gotten their names mentioned um, in uh, a couple major publications. This is the time of year where... Uh, Publications are releasing their top prospect lists. Their uh, MLB pipeline is going position by position. And uh, they started out with left-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher, catcher, and first base. And the Orioles found prospects on all four of those lists. Pretty impressive start.
1: Only team in major leagues to have uh, four prospects already listed. And they're about halfway through. I believe they did second Second base base this morning and Mm -hmm. then shortstop tomorrow. Um, finishing up with the outfield on Thursday. Uh, But, yeah, four prospects. I mean, obviously the big name, Adley Rushman, number one overall pick, catcher. He's the number one ranked catcher as well. Um, And then Ryan Mancastle, the fourth-ranked first baseman. Grayson Rodriguez, the 10th-ranked right-handed pitcher. And D.L. Hall, the 10th-ranked left-handed pitcher from MLBPipeline.com. These also came with uh, projections for their MLB appearance or debuts. Um, when their their ETAs as they call them, their estimated time of arrivals. Uh, everyone but Adley, no, excuse me, everyone but Ryan Moundcastle is in 2021. So Adley, Grayson Rodriguez, and DL Hall projected to be 2021. Ryan Moundcastle this year, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we expect that to be the case. Thank you to all on, on Twitter who on Friday that pointed out to me that I was reading the thing wrong. Do you have the MLB app on your
0: the app bad app? I think so.
1: Yeah. So I get the push notifications for those stories, you know, because mm. especially I get notifications when Orioles News is on. And with them being ranked in top 10, I get the push notification that Ryan Mancastle is ranked in top 10, see what he's going to be able. open. The formatting on the app was weird. That Not a it, great app. No. It, it knocked down. Like, the way they did was the name and then the year next to the name. Yeah. But the way it was formatted, it bumped the year down to be ahead of the next player listed. Uh, so okay. I read it, it. So, I mean – I read it wrong, but it wasn't necessarily my fault because it was formatted weird. Mm-hmm. So it said 2022 Ryan Mancastle. And I was like, that cannot
0: be that, <laughs> Yeah, that is way We're going
1: to wait three more years for Ryan Madcastle. He when he was the International League Player of the Year, the MVP. And that'd he, be the darkest time. He, and we had just talked about that last week that Ryan Mancastle should be up here at some point this season. So no fear. Orioles fans, all is well in Birdland. Ryan Mancustle will be with the Baltimore Orioles at some point in 2020. Whether he breaks out with the team or not, that's a different story, but he will see him in the orange and black at some point. Yes. But it was very exciting over the past couple of days to see for Orioles fans to see top prospects in all four lists and be the only team with four so far.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, of course, the, the two pitchers uh, who cracked the list are uh, left-handed and right-handed being Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, 10th for both of them. Honestly, I think Grayson Rodriguez could be up a little bit higher. You can make the case for D.L. Hall. The numbers haven't quite been there, um, but he is on the younger side. But Grayson Rodriguez, you know, at at this point, he is, what, 20, 21 years old? Um, He's 20. 20. He, he just turned 20 in November. Just turned 20. Um, has, uh, you know, the, all of the the uh, stats that you would like. I mean, over, you know, he has been a uh, sub 2.5 ERA pitcher. Um, he has been a a 10 strikeout per nine guy uh, and he has been has had an outstanding velocity on his fastball and is now developing a changeup so I think Grayson Rodriguez could shoot up that list pretty quickly I think he could be in the top 100 prospects um, in baseball when that list comes out in February so Grayson Rodriguez certainly is going to be on that list obviously Adley Rutschman will be a top 10 player I think on that overall prospect list I think he could crack the top five when he, after he was drafted, the mid-season prospect ranking, I think he was fifth overall by MLB Pipeline.
1: Already fifth. I, I in know baseball. he was already top ten, which is insane. Yeah, but yeah. Uh,
0: and Jim Bowden of The Athletic just put him in the uh, t- sixth overall prospect in all of baseball uh, not long ago. So these guys are going to make some lists. They're going to get some recognition. Um, but, Bobby, you touched on you know, when Ryan Maucastle is going to come up. We're going to see him almost definitely in 2020. Some of the other guys are less, are a little bit more murkier in terms of when their projected ETA is.
1: Yeah, everyone's, like I said, the three other guys are projected for the following season in 2021. And in terms of, I mean, Adley Rushman, I think that's probably fair. You draft number one overall. You're highly regarded as the best catching prospect since Joe Maurer or Buster Posey. Like, with MVP expectations, level expectations, you should break through to the major league within a couple of seasons. Yeah. But I think seeing Grayson Rodriguez or D.L. Hall up in the Major League Club in two seasons is also pretty interesting and exciting, yeah. too, because, I mean, I think about... The other thing, too, is look at the, the positions that these guys are. First base, catcher, right-handed pitcher, left-handed pitcher. You think about the top Orioles prospects over the past decade, and it's the Manny Machados, the Jonathan Scopes, you know, middle infielder, shortstop, third base, second base, um, maybe some outfield guys like Trey Mancini who they try to make an outfielder, but... You know, kind of those like those sexy positions, not like the positions that this club actually really needs. In terms of pitchers, if you could have two of these top 10 prospect pitchers break through in two seasons and become stables in your rotation, that would be huge for this team in terms of this rebuild and how they could that really projects, pushes this rebuild on the fast track
0: to being, you know, competitive sooner rather than later. So let's track this out. If they do if they are on track to make their 2021 debuts. And of course, these are numbers that are put and projections that are put by outside sources, not by the Orioles themselves. Right. But Grayson Rodriguez was excellent last year at single A. At this point next year, he might skip past Frederick. I think he could start the season with Bowie yeah. at this point, which for a guy who's 20 years old, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. He'd be pretty one of the younger players on the Bowie roster, if not the youngest by that point. Um, so he would probably have to be a buoy player for the majority of the 2020 season, and maybe get a call up to AAA by the end of the year. I mean, yeah. that would be he would have to be really darn good in buoy. Yeah, but I think that's a possibility. I do too. It's not it's something
1: not unheard of. No, it's it happens. And like a guy, and you're looking at his like baseball reference page. He only has two years of like professional baseball. One's in the Gulf Coast League and then mm-hmm. one's last year with Del Marva when he was just absolutely dominant. Ten and four, two, six, eight ERA and twenty starts, showing durability as well. Yeah. Um I, I think, yeah, that's not a possi- that's not out of the realm of possibility where he just skips Frederick all all totally and goes to the Bowie all altogether. <laughs> yeah. I was like there's a T word in there, but yep. it's not totally. I'll say totally. Um, and then just go straight to Bowie. Like you said, that's a that's a f- Pretty fast track to the major leagues, skipping high single-A ball, going double-A, getting maybe a triple-A call-up by the end of the season, if not to start 2021 and then being called up to the major league club during that season. But, yeah, everything, the eye tests, the metrics are all there for this kid um Orioles fans are – I mean, he's becoming a fast track of one of those pro- – I mean, everyone knows about Adley. Everyone knows about Ryan Mountcastle. But he's one of those names that keeps coming up when you hear Orioles fans talk about their most exciting prospects. Grayson Rodriguez, I feel like we're hearing more and more. Orioles fans are becoming more aware of this guy's ability and, yeah. and
0: his potential to be up here sooner rather than later. And remember Austin Hayes back in 2017. Not a pitcher, an outfielder, but he went through – zoomed through the minor leagues yeah. and shot all the way up to the major leagues uh, and and I, I think he skipped triple A. I think they just brought him up directly from double A at that point. Um, it, you know, he had, because he had an incredible season, hit close to 400. He had 377 during this, in the, the minor leagues. So, yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility and while this this front office is not going to rush anybody by any stretch, I can't imagine that they would hold too many guys back if they are proving that they are capable of being major league players at at a certain point.
1: Right. And, and also health plays a factor into this as well, because you look at a guy like Hunter Harvey, who his debut was pushed back many years because of his injury history. Um, So they definitely, and in terms of pitchers as well, they're going to take care of their pitchers. It's I think a little easier for position players to bounce back from injury um, and still be on a good pace to meet the major leagues. I think for a pitcher, it's a little harder um, if you, Typically, if it's like especially an arm injury yeah. type injury, they're going to be more careful with that. Um, moving on to DL Hall, the other pitcher, uh, it's it's also cool. I think. I mean, this is just a little uh, maybe a nerdy thing for me, but I, it's it's good in my mind. There's a right hander and a left hander in these rankings. You know, it's, they're not just stacked up and right. Because again, I've said this a couple of times. You know, the Orioles haven't had like a stud left handed starting pitcher. You know. Taking out John Means rookie season this past year and, and him being the guy moving forward, but since like Wei and Chet, um, and, and it's been a ro- right-handed heavy rotation for a handful of years now. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think you would like to see some variety in, in the rotation. Be able to throw out a couple left-handers every five days to go along with your right-handers. DL Hall making the list as well, I think, is is a good, um, good starting point for this rotation. I mean, sorry, this rebuild where they have a a top right-handed guy and a top left-handed guy that they can't wait to bring up. Uh, threw a uh, had a three six eight ERA in uh, nineteen appearances with Frederick last year in the Carolina League. Um, another solid season. He he really did well in Dunbar the year before. So we're seeing a natural progression by him as well. Um, every year in and year out, maybe he starts at Frederick this year, but also maybe he starts at Bowie. Right, um, he'll probably definitely pitch at Bowie at some point. Well, they, where he'll start is, remains to be seen. But again, he's on that good natural pace
0: of probably breaking the major leagues within two years. Right. The question of where he will start, I think depends on he's supposed to be at at this point in last August, he suffered a strained lat muscle. So I think he, he missed uh, some time. He only made uh, uh, 19 appearances when he was with Frederick last season. He had the entire season there at Frederick, but assuming he is fully recovered from that injury, which given the amount of time that he has had off, I would assume that he has, And he has a solid spring. I think he very much could start with Bowie um, to start out the season. So if you could potentially see a Bowie starting rotation next year to start the year, really, with Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall on that same team... yeah. That'd be awesome. It'd be <laughs> exciting for people to watch. Right,
1: and also replacing a starting rotation that was great last year, too. I mean, yeah. that, that's a rotation that we, we covered a lot in when, when the, the Bay Sox playoff run as well. So yeah. it's just like kind of rebuilding for the Bay Sox too. I mean, not rebuilding, like restarting um, where they left off with a strong rotation.
0: Yeah, and um, of those four guys, also another mention that Adley Rutschman is officially now going to spring training mm-hmm. and will be with the major league team in spring training, which is exciting for fans. Um, yeah. I think that is, that is the most important thing in the, And the He is going to get a little bit of exposure to maybe life as a major leaguer. He's going to get to talk to actual major leaguers on a day to day basis. He's going to get to practice with them. He's going to get a hit in the cages with them. And he's going to in games, depending on how many games, but he's going to see some major league competition. Um, and he's going to catch some major league Caliber pitchers, yeah, all of which is good experience for him, and is going to be exciting for fans to be able to watch down in Sarasota,
1: right? And I I think this move is—it's not really a move, but it's—it's—it's like half, you know, for the fans, we're like, hey, come to spring training and watch the number one overall draft pick at major league camp, and half, you know, for Adley, I mean, this—you draft the number one overall, he's your top prospect, he's one of the top prospects in all of baseball. He should start spring training with the major league club. I mean, I mean, it's, I don't think that's rushing him at any point. It's just it's a learning experience. Get get exposure, like you said. Get used to a, a major league clubhouse. Get used to the training facilities. Get used to the trainers and the, your probable future, like catching coach or infield instructor, the pitching coaches, uh, the pitchers. Um, I think that's just going to be a really good experience for him. He won't be with them for too long. They'll set they'll send them down to the minor leagues once they are. Getting into probably game shape and, and want him to start actually playing in games day in and day out, you know maybe they pull him up for a game at the major league level, you know just for fun and or you know a day or one of those split squad days. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's a good, it's good all around. You know, it's just a good, uh, easy move to make. It harms nobody. It only benefits Adley um, and gives something the fans to go down Sarasota and look and cheer for.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so we I got a question in the Facebook. Uh, on our live stream on Facebook. Okay. Um, And the question is about Wojohowski, who Rock Kabako had some articles about over the weekend on MassInSports.com. And Woj had some interesting things to say in terms of he's, you know, everybody in the the media on the outside has slotted him into the third spot in the starting rotation behind John Means and Alex Cobb. But he he says I've been there before I've seen that happen before and nothing is guaranteed which is the right opinion to take I think at this point you still do have to slot him in there because he was solid for the Orioles last season about a five ERA a lot better than expected but I I don't think that it's it's not repeatable I think that that was not a flash in the pan I think this is a guy who uh, we've seen that he can over a certain amount of time over a good stretch of time be a fine pitcher and I think just considering the other options I think he is going to get a chance to start every fifth day over because just because the other options are so unproven right and we just talked about how it'd be great if DL Hall and Grace Rodriguez
1: came up in two years well that doesn't help this season and and we know this pitching staff is going to be depleted at some point this season you're sure things are uh John Means as a starter and probably Michael Givens for as long as he he's here in the bullpen and that's basically it um, so in terms of rock also had fun with his you know mailbag Entry last, last week, and it was kind of the you know, what's your ideal rotation for the Orioles? He mentioned Palmer, McNally, Dobson, and Kewler. It's like, all right, come on, Rock. Yeah, uh, I think this also this article just turns into Rock talking to himself. Uh, either oh, way, I, the entire thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think these are just questions he's internally asking himself and yeah. then, then answering. He's waking not up, not actual fan questions. 3 a.m. Yeah. asking these questions. Um, but then he mentions John Means, uh, Alex Cobb, and Astro with. That's that's your only locks, and I think that's right. I mean, Asher Wojciechowski is probably going to be a top of the not top, but like a part of this rotation moving forward because he's one of a few options. And you know, you got Cole Stewart signing a major league deal uh, a week or so so ago. You know, Brandon you,
0: Bailey. What can you? Yeah, Brandon the, Bailey. The two rule five picks, Michael Rucker. What can you really expect out of them? Can they go?
1: I think Woj has. You know, the production might not always be there, but. He's at least an arm in the building that has been here, is familiar with the team, um, and, and, you know, does, deserves a shot. I mean, it, it, we're, we're not chasing Cy Young's here for the Orioles this year. Yeah. Maybe John Means is. But, you know, it's it's more about, you know, Brandon Hines, I think, going to have a tough enough time finding five guys to pitch on a on a constant rotation as it is. Um, I have no time to get too picky about it. And, and Roge has deserved a, the opportunity
0: to, to compete for a job. Exactly. And I, I think... Pretty much regardless, unless he starts out the season as a 10 ERA, I think he, for the first month of the season, will start every fifth day. Um, So, you know, I think he is, it's his job until he loses it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah. Idea. All right. On Twitter, at WheelieMan3, do we have any more sluggers in our lineup besides Trey? Yes, and his name is Renato Nunez is what I would like to come back with. Remember, Renato Nunez had 30-plus homers last year. I think he led the way for homers until Trey Mancini hit that hot September. He did. He did. Uh, he had a seven seventy one OPS, which is good, not great. Um, but I think Renato Nunez is maybe one of the forgotten men this offseason because a lot of the attention has been on when is Ryan Mountcastle going to make this team, and if so, what position is he going to play, uh, you know, signing of Jose Iglesias, um, signing of Richard Urania as another infielder. So it's he has just kind of been put on the back burner because he's he's not great in the field. He DH'd for most of the year last year. We already saw that Brandon Hyde is more willing to trust Rio Ruiz at third base than he is Renato Nunez. However, he does have some offensive firepower. And for a lineup that is desperate for it, I think at some point you could throw... You know, I, I think it's going to be tough to keep him out of the lineup on a day in and day out basis, just because he adds a little bit more protection for Trey in that lineup. And he's got some pop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's uh, sorry. Hold on. I would just got, got distracted by the comments. The comments are coming through. Yeah. (laughs) What were we talking about?
0: I just, uh, we are talking about Renato Nunez. Oh, Renato Nunez, even, yeah.
1: yes, yes. Sluggers, That besides Trey, yes, mm-hmm. yes. No, Renato Nunez definitely. Uh, we. I think the only question that we actually have is where he's going to slot in every day, probably a DH, but as he gets his at-bats, he can hit. And we've talked about this as well, too. It's This lineup is it can, not going to suffer from a lack of scoring runs, I don't believe. Um, I, I think Trey and Renato Nunez, you get Austin Hayes for a full season. Um, you get Rio Ruiz adding some decent offensive production here and there. Uh, I don't think they're going to struggle to score runs. It's going to be a matter of them keeping the ball in the yard and, and yeah. not allowing the other team to score runs. Um, but uh, don't forget, Hanzo Alberto um, can can hit pretty well, solidly. Uh, we talked about the Iglesias signing being he's not being brought in for his offense because they have offense. It's just a matter of, you know, can they outscore the other guys? But, yeah, Renato Nunez is a guy that can fill in a DH spot, third base. Can he get his at-bats every single day? I, I think he will because of the DH ability. Um, and then, yeah, he'll, he'll – He's, I think he could repeat what he did last year right. on a consistent basis.
0: Yeah, and, and if the, the only thing is if we do see Ryan Mountcastle come up and DH, yeah. or pretty much, I, I mean, it's, so if, if Ryan Mountcastle comes up and he DHs midseason and, and he has that spot, then Renato Nunez might be kind of out of luck because you know, clearly Brandon Hyde would rather have Rio Ruiz, I think, at third just because of his defensive ability. And you have Iglesias set at second, and you have Hamza Alberto set, um, or you have Iglesias set at short, rather, Hamza yeah. Alberto at second, yeah. and you have Chris Davis at first, you know, Trey Mancini in the outfield. So it's it's tough to find a spot then if if you bring Mountcastle up as a DH, but if you bring Mariam Mountcastle up with the intention of playing him at third base, then I think that creates an interesting, because then I think, you know, offensively, if you're just looking to fill that DH spot, then you can just keep Renato Nunez there, and Rio R- R- Ruiz would be the one that would lose a lot of playing time.
1: Yeah, I think you and I both agree, though, that plugging in Ryan Malkus at third I mean, he would have to show, yeah, show market a improvement. lot of flash of the glove at third base. Um, but don't, also don't forget that Renato Nunez played 22 games at first base. So if Chris Davis struggles, which is, of course, not out of the realm of possibility, and let's say Renato Nunez is doing really well on pace for what he was doing last year at the DH spot, you have Ryan Mountcastle crushing it at AAA. You need to bring him up just in it, it is time, um, out, no, however, however early it is in the season. I, we've seen Brandon Hyde do it before. He's benched Chris Davis, and he's not afraid to do it. You slot Chris Davis to the bench. You move Renato Nunes to first base. Or you can even maybe, because Ryan Mountcastle is, like we said earlier, listed as a first baseman in the prospect list. So you put him there. But then if Chris Davis slug, struggles, that opens up a spot for – you can have Mountcastle and Renato Nunes in the same lineup, um, again, assuming that they're both playing
0: to the level that we're expecting them to. Yeah, exactly. So the infield will be another interesting, and who knows, uh, Richard Uranium might give himself some playing time mm. if he if he starts out great. Um, but none of these guys are sure things. I think the fact that Iglesias got a major league contract gives mm. him a leg up on, on just about everybody else. Yeah, yeah. But beyond that, you know, there's no, nothing is to say that, you know, Richie Martin is going to start the season with AAA. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. But, you know, even Hanser Alberto, as great as he was last year, you know, he, there's a chance that he doesn't repeat that. Right. Um, so, that's true too. They're, they're all, a lot will change, I think. As we go through spring training and then hit opening
1: day. the Maston Orioles Facebook feed, uh, David Allen, is Mountcastle going to be in spring training this year? I mean, we talked about Adley. They have not officially announced their non-roster invitees, but I would assume, yes, that he would be there at some point. I think he was there last year um, for a partial of the spring training. So, yeah, I would expect Ryan Mountcastle to be with the Orioles in Sarasota to start camp. When he's
0: on the active roster as well. Well,
1: Yeah, he had to be. I think they to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. Exactly.
0: um, Yes, he
1: will be with the... uh, the team in spring training. The, the the question that got me distracted earlier from Dennis Startwell is that a custom Hambino bubble on the on the desk? It is. It is It is, is, it is uh, from the Sandlot, and it's yours, right, Paul? Yes, you I got
0: it. A, got it from a minor league game. I believe it was the Wilmington Blue Rocks down Wilmington, Delaware. Mm-hmm. I think so. All right, but we lost his bat, so I don't know. It's, it's just kind of it's around here. He's somewhere. just kind of holding nothing there. Yeah,
1: but he's still pointing. Got the right action. Got, yeah, exactly got the right action.
0: Um, all right. See, any other questions? Um, Well, I was starting to think myself as to the outfield scenario because we've spent a lot of the time in the the offseason talking about the infield and and where these guys are going to play. But we have Austin Hayes at center. I think we have made our opinions of Austin Hayes pretty clear. Yeah. We have if Chris Davis is at first, and if Renato Nunez is your DH, I think Trey Mancini still remains in right field despite his defensive limitations at that position. Yep. It's not ideal but I think that's just where you got to keep him for right now. Yep. Left field, they've talked big talk about Anthony Santander. We saw some great play from him, especially at the plate. In the field, not so much. He played a little bit. I think he got better as the season went along. He made some strives there. But you have other guys in DJ Stewart, even a Stevie Wilkerson that might potentially push him if he's not doing too hot. Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I think at this point, Santander, Cedric Mullins, or Santander, Austin Hayes, and Trey Mancini in there. And then, you know, I just Freudian slip, but Cedric Mullins is another guy who's going to be in there as well. He was the
1: opening day center fielder last year.
0: So I think I think different spring trainings from different guys could change our perspective rather quickly of the outfield.
1: Yeah, and I mean we obviously you know, fell in love with Austin Hayes at the end of the season, all the highlight catches he was making. Um, but I I, I mean, I think you and I, if you were to ask me right now who's your opening day center feeder, it would probably be him. But I I don't think he's a lock either. I mean, he's got to show that he's capable of playing every day throughout the course of a whole major league season. Um, your real only definite lock is Trey Mancini, but then again, he could also that's the other thing too, is like if Trey you know, if Chris Davis struggles, Renato news is your DH, Mount Castle's not ready, you're forced to play Mancini at first base. That opens up another spot in the outfield that you have to fill between Austin Hayes, like you said, Stevie Wilkerson, Anthony Santander, Dwight Smith Jr., DJ Stewart, maybe Cedric Mullins. I mean, it's it's it kind of becomes a problem. I mean, one problem opens up another one because yeah. you have to fill in position with a guy that's already kind of locked into a spot. Um yeah, Trey Mancini's metrics out in right field aren't the best, but I would probably, I mean, look just looking at him, if he's listed as an outfielder, I'm starting him in right field. Right. I, I think he's the only for sure lockdown there. Um, Santander, yeah, you would think he he, he played so well during that couple-week stretch in July, I want to say, or maybe it was late June when Trey Mancini was struggling. That's why he kind of stuck out. But whenever the, um, the his fan club was here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, can he take that leap? I mean, we've seen his bat fluctuate, be really, really good, then really bad. Um, his defense, yeah, he'll make a sliding play here or there. His arm strength is phenomenal. He, he can throw the ball out the yard, but can he track down a ball and make a catch? Yeah. Um, don't, yeah.
0: for, don't forget in that, that great win this is off track, but with that Rio, Rio Ruiz walk-off against the Astros, yeah. he severely misplayed a ball in the right field corner, and that cost them a run. And if you remember, he tried to throw the ball, and the ball slipped out of his hands. And uh, yeah. it was just kind of a, a little bit of encapsulation of just yeah. the kind of experience that the Anthony Santander experience in the outfield. In yeah, that field. yeah. Uh,
1: there's a lot of outfielders on the, this list, and, and and DJ Stewart. I mean, I, I feel bad, but saying this, but I almost even forgot that he was going to be there. And we, you know, one health wise, can you know, can he play? Yeah, every day. How was he health wise? And two, I mean, he, I mean, he wasn't. Too great out there either. I mean, some diving catches. I mean, he made. I do the one sliding catch he did make was a great play and all, but you know he's not really a fast guy. I mean, no. He's definitely a power hitter out there, but he, probably shifting to an infielder at some point later in his career. I don't know if you want him out there tracking down balls. So Austin Hayes and Trey Mancini are probably your sure things, even though I again Hayes still has to earn his way onto this roster and and, and keep his spot there. Um, but yeah, the outfielder. It's just as much of a question mark as the infielder because there are so many names out there. And there's also guys waiting in the wings down in the minor
0: leagues. Yeah, and Bob Check. I'm sorry, I just butchered your name. Mason Williams throwing out another name. Mason Williams Mm -hmm. should be in the outfield mix as well. I think they have, I I, I would give him where, you know, other guys might have a a leg up. I would say he's got a leg down. That's not an expression, but I don't think Mason Williams. You know what you mean? You know, he he did not get a whole lot of exposure. Um, He was a late call up last year. Um, he has the ability to play center, so I think that helps. However, I th- just think that they are so loaded with other young guys that they want to see get a shot. Like, yeah. I think I think that they would rather – they'd almost rather see – I'm just speaking for them here, but I, I think they would almost rather see a Ryan McKenna than they would a Mason Williams. I was going to mention,
1: was this the year we are going to see Ryan yeah, McKenna break exactly. through? Um, so. He kind of struggled offensively a little bit
0: last year, but –
1: you know, Buck Britton was very complimentary about, you know, his efforts and, and what he can do once he's on the base paths. So yes. that's that's a that's a plus for him in terms of he's able to break through. What about Eustin El Diaz? Do we see him break through at some point this season too? I mean, you know, he could possibly fill a DH spot as well, but you would ideally like him as a center as an outfielder. Yeah. And playing defense.
0: Well, the the question is also, are we gonna see him in the top ten? I don't think so, but top ten outfield prospects. I think at this point so he might have just it's just been a while before we've seen him play since we've seen him play really really well. Right. Mean, you know, he he hit about 260 last year and he had a better second half of the season than he did a first half. The other thing is, you know, while he has flashed all five tools, he has not shown the ability to play consistently. Right. He was a DH in some of those buoy playoff games. Yeah. You know, when and and it had a chance and a guy that we thought at some point because of his speed, because of his athletic ability might be a center fielder. But suddenly, you know, he's he might be regressing there if he's if he's put in DH. So and playing right field every day. Yeah. So that um, he kind of has gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle. He just at this point, it's it's a different it, this this whole minor league system has been influx with such talent that if you're not playing up to a certain level, you kind of get forgotten about. Yeah. Um, you have to, which is good because you have a whole lot more competitiveness in the minor leagues than you did a year ago. So. Right. You know, you just have to keep pace with some of the other guys because some of these guys, you know, I, I don't think it, we saw in last a year ago. I don't think any of us saw Cedric Mullins getting passed up by Austin Hayes, but it happened. Right. So that's true, um, or passed over rather. So you know, you just have to put up the stats to remain competitive, and we just have not quite seen a breakout season from Yosniel Diaz. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but we haven't seen it yet.
1: The ball don't lie, the ball will tell. And also mentioned going back, just touching on the rotation real quick, we talked about Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Steve Molesky on MassInSports.com today had a great article about the AAA rotation. We're not even talking about AAA guys out in Norfolk who could possibly break through this season. You're talking about guys like Keegan Aiken, Zach Lowther, Alex Wells, Dean Kramer, uh, Michael Ballman, Cody Sedlock. I mean, those are big names that Orioles fans are familiar with that are probably also expecting them to break through at some point too. So, I mean, it's not... And that was just using the pitcher as an example yeah. because there's also obviously position players too. We talked about Castle, Mullins, um, but you know, it's, it's not all just, you know, Oh, I was on the roster in September last year. I'm going to have it. No, no, there's, yeah. there's a lot of talent knocking on the door. And and again, in the year two of a rebuild, they're going to give guys time and they're going to give guys chances to see what they can do. Um, so it's going to be a, scrapping and fighting for your position every single day no matter what level you're playing at
0: yeah a couple comments for us coming from justin larue uh he asked about rio ruiz we talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about rio ruiz and and him uh if if he if they don't bring up a ryan Mountcastle, i think that improves his chances of staying at third base i think that that pretty much goes without saying so i think that's the biggest thing to take away from rio ruiz i think he's Above average defensively, but, you know, until he is hitting above 240, he's, he has not locked down a future position on this team. At this point, he is still a placeholder, I think, in the organization.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I, also part of that question was, is he opening day third baseman? I would probably say yes.
0: I would say yes at this point, yeah. Um, and then another one about Car- Carlos Encarnacion, who the Orioles acquired in one of their midseason trades for Kevin Gaussman, coming back from the Braves organization – that point, he was a very low-level prospect, and unfortunately, he has still remained a low-level prospect. He spent most of the season with the last year. You saw a little bit from him. Um, apparently, he improved a whole lot uh, at, in his play at third base. He's big for a third baseman. He's like six three. He almost he looks almost out of place there. Oh my god! He's but he's, huge. he is he is still you know pretty gamely considering he is that size and playing the hot corner. Um, but we just have not seen the uh, the offense. Um, get to the point where he can progress through the minor leagues. He hit just 240 last year, only nine homers in 120 games. So he is in need of a breakout year, I think, in order to uh, move up through the organization. When I think of
1: Encarnacion, I think of when we went down for the Dumarva playoff game, I believe, mm-hmm. and he was taking ground balls at there. And we were like, who is this massive He's man-child? Huge. Yeah. Taking, fielding ground balls at third base. Oh, that's Encarnacion. Yeah. <laughs> he is a freak athlete. Um, I don't think he's on a, a fast track. It's like we talked about some other guys are, like you mentioned. That mm. has to come around still kind of getting used to playing that position. I mean, it's, that's like, I don't want to say he's too big for third base, but like as a big guy over there, you, I mean, you have to be pretty nimble and quick still. So he's still kind of learning how to do that. Um, but yeah, it's a guy to keep an eye on. I think we could possibly see him make a, a jump at some point, not a, big jump like we've talked about some other guys possibly can but he can probably make his way up to Frederick at some point this year
0: yeah and for an organization that still needs some infield talent on the way we know that they have the pitchers uh within the organization he's still listed as the 30th or at least mid-season last year was listed as the 30th best prospect within the Orioles system so you know there is still a chance that he could um make his way up oh, those and arms. yeah considering there is so much you know, there's kind of more of a need for for infielders and offensive players in particular. All right. That just about does it for the Mass and All Access podcast. You can catch us, of course, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts. You can find the Mass and All Access podcast, which is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. He's Bobby Blanco at Bobby underscore Blanco and Paul Mancano at Paul Mancano. Thank you to Amy Jennings, our producer today doing a great job as always, and we will see you next time.